You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Here's what's visible. We have record profits at the big health insurers and also at the big hospitals. Here's what's invisible and unseen is we have 40 million collecting unemployment, which is seven times the norm for any year in the past 10 years at this time. We also have a 90% mass transit ridership drop. We have 60% of our restaurants that are permanently closed if Yelp is accurate. And somewhere between 12 and 20 million people are going to be evicted over the next 30 to 60 to 90 days, depending on the state they live in. And um, that means their stuff is gonna be out on the street, put out there by deputies and marshals. Very sad sight. Bankruptcy filings are up almost half again as much as they were the same time last year. And suicide hotlines and alcohol sales are both up about 800% in the past six months with the pandemic. Plus we have $3.6 trillion in fresh federal deficit spend just for the pandemic. So it's really a tax because when dollars erode in value, that's a tax. So it's safe to say that this pandemic has been a golden era for healthcare suits. Well, our system values EBITDA over outcomes currently. So is it too much to ask for a little reprieve from hammering the rest of us? What do I mean by that? Our fatalities per million in our worst state, New York, where supercarriers were dumped into aged facilities, that was 80% of all the deaths in New York for the first three months were the supercarriers. New York had fewer fatalities per million than Sweden over the last six months. That's Sweden. We love to talk about Sweden. Sweden is always the panacea, right? It's the Valhalla. But for months now, New York has had a better fatality rate per million than blessed Sweden. So what do you and I do? Well, we look to the CDC issued new guidelines and in plain English, they said, if you're young and you have no symptoms, skip the testing. Don't go test just because you want to test or need to test or going to go see somebody and you want to know. And if you're young and sick, stay home. You'll probably be a-okay. The deaths per million, even in the highest risk category, are ridiculously low. And here's what I'm talking about. And I'm not lessening the effect of this pandemic. If you're 50 to 64, then you have a one in seven million chance of fatality from the infection. So I'm eating much better. I'm walking a ton more than I used to. My immune system, I hope, is better. I'm sleeping about the same. I, it sucks. When you get to this age, it sucks. But I have lost 42 pounds in the past two years and kept it off. So I feel like I'm, you know, about 800,000 steps closer to better immunity. And you can do the same. And nobody's talking about immune system strength. So anyway, I'm super excited to introduce to you somebody who can help you with your needs if you live in this part of Georgia. So I'm going to introduce uh, for the second time uh, Anand Mehta. Dr. Mehta has worked as the first medical director for Walmart Health at their Dallas, Georgia clinic that I toured. And I got to admit, and I'm a little embarrassed, ashamed, and loath to admit that I was as excited to meet Anand 
and see this pilot clinic that had just launched the month before as I was to see my first grandson I've ever had. So, okay, call me a loser, but that's the truth. Nand, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Ron, for having me again. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I feel like I'm a 1% partner in your new clinic, which is Stand Up Family Medicine. And Stand Up Family Medicine is a DPC practice. And I feel like I'm a 1% owner because you and I have been talking about direct primary care for at least a year. Yeah, absolutely. You helped me uh, sort of be more concrete about where I wanted to move uh, as far as um, being an entrepreneur and being a uh, private self-sufficient doctor and out of the, um, the suit world, as we like to put it, or you like to put it in your, in your post. <laughs> so I look forward to it. Well, so you've now evolved. I mean, a lot of people would consider what you were doing before either a dream job or a nightmare job. I would call it a dream job because I love when corporations are innovating and trying something new that's going to displace hospital doctors, which are really not primary care. They're really transaction care doctors. And, and, um, You've left uh, a company and you're surrounded by a therapist, a social worker. You had an eye doctor, you had a ear hearing doctor, you had a specialist in dentist, you had on-site freaking, you know, uh, you can make um, molars and dental on-site with 3D printing. You had real-time diagnostic tests. I mean, you were sitting sort of in a little bit of a Valhalla yourself, a little panacea. And you left that. What in the world got into you, my son? <laughs> well, I stopped taking my medications, Ron. That's what happened. Uh, no, honestly, I'll tell you what happened. So Walmart Health was a great concept. It, it attracted me uh, from the very start because of a lot of what you just described, having a multi-specialty clinic where primary care had um, so many outlets as far as um, getting a patient fully taken care of in one visit uh, at one location. And it was making healthcare affordable, it was price transparent, it was quality, um, and it was giving people options that they never had before, like I told you the last podcast. Now, what happens when you have that? Well, when you have something that convenient and that available that's uh, uh, affordable, well, you have people who've never been to the doctor in five or 10 years coming in and having a multitude of problems. But with all big corporations and hospital systems alike, you find yourself in a hamster wheel trying to keep up with patient volume. And what I really wanted to do was change patient outcomes. I wanted to bring patients who were generally not well taken care of or didn't have insurance options and provide them with quality care. But I wanted to make sure that they're following up and getting that care routinely. And that's what's going to have better outcomes for these patients. Um, when you have something that's accessible, the volume becomes uncontrollable, unfortunately. And you start knowing what you wanted to do in primary care and what your main interest was, and whether that's attainable in a, mo in, in, in a model where the volume is just continuing to expand and uh, uh, double, triple, and, and you know there is no cap to that. And so when you can't control the numbers, it becomes very difficult for you to be the physician you want to be and take care of the patients you want. There's also a sense of lost autonomy. And you shared with me that sometimes you felt a little bit of pressure that maybe um, you weren't prescribing enough pharmacy or maybe enough med durable medical equipment. And, and that's not visible 
verbal pressure. It's just little hints and subtle things. Hey, you're the doctor, but it would really help the company if you could do this. That's how the game is played in hospitals, at least. I don't know if it's the same way for big uh, corporations, but. No, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't put Walmart under the uh, mark for that. I, I think that, like, like I said, they, they're not affiliated with any hospital system. So um, where we had to go with referrals was independent. However, you have to understand you can't help people when the resources that they have are limited as well. And so it became a lot to take on for a patient, uh, for a physician, I'm sorry, uh, with a patient who wasn't taken care of before. And when their resources are limited regarding insurance, well, specialist care is, is limited as well then. And you have to be a fully functioning physician, uh, which is the primary care is, but expand your knowledge base a little more um, extensive to take care of these patients the way you want to. Uh, I just wanted to take care of them more than I was given the time for. And, and that's why I felt it was time to be my own boss, my own doc, and practice medicine the way I like to and the way I feel it should be. Were you seeing mostly older patients that are seniors or were you seeing a wide variety of people that were untended for years? A, a, a little bit of both. Uh, I was seeing, uh, I would say the main percentage of my patients were in the 30 to 60 range. Um, there was uh, obviously seniors who were above 65 that would make about 15 to 20% of my patients and kids would be another 10 to 15%. But the big bulk of my patient population was in that um, 30 to 60 age range. Uh, and they were not well controlled with their chronic care management. So let's talk about your thought process, Anand. You decided to go DPC. You could have gone value-based care, and you could have also gone fee-for-service. Tell me what informed your decision to make this choice. So one thing Walmart Health taught me uh, was in... Uh, real life and in, in, in true actualization, real life events, I was able to see the advantage of what price transparency was offering these patients. I also knew that if you were available if the price was in front of them and it was affordable, um, then they will, they will like fill the dreams. If you build it, they will come. And I, be I believed in that concept, being the first director of the first Walmart health in the nation, I saw that. And um, when I was talking to these patients and getting to know why they came in and what they were looking for, they really just wanted a easier answer to healthcare. They wanted something where they could go in, know what things are gonna cost upfront, have no bills that come in the mail as surprises afterwards, and be able to talk to their doctor and know who they're going to see routinely the next time they come in. Um, and direct primary care has always been in the back of my mind. It's always been something that I've been thinking about and wanting to do. I just never made the leap. But Walmart Health was the experience I needed and the actual real life events that I saw that made me believe that this concept was long overdue for me, at least in my life. And um, you are the brand as a physician. Patients at my old practice were traveling 45 minutes to an hour to see me at my new location at Walmart Health. And I told them, I said, I can't believe you made the drive out here to see me. Uh, and especially, you know, when you don't have an electric car, <laughs> the prices are pretty great. But I told them, I said, I couldn't believe it. And they said, one patient uh, told me the best way to say, you're the brand, Dr. Meta. You're it. We come to see you. I don't care what the name behind you is. I want you. And if you're the brand and the patients are, you know, essentially just coming for that brand, well, why do I need somebody to advertise for me? Why can't I advertise for myself? 
Is there um, a stretch for you to now get more involved with social media like this to publish, you know, who, or get the word out of who you are and what you're trying to do? Is that a new skill set that you're having to learn? Well, I, I, I feel like um, it's not. I, I, want, I would like to get my message out there. I want to teach younger docs. I want to teach doctors who are maybe in my shoes and feel like where they are is the, the last hope for them or, or the ultimate end game for them. But I don't want to, to be somebody remembered for somebody who stopped where I could have been. Like you said, I had a great position. Um, if you're talking about things on the resume that pop, I mean, I was the first director of the Fortune One company that started uh, healthcare. But I wasn't happy. I, I wasn't doing medicine the way I wanted to. I felt that I was turning into a doctor I didn't want to be. I wanted to have more time with my patients that I felt was getting shorter and shorter. And that doesn't make you who you want to be. That doesn't make you practice medicine better. It makes you practice medicine worse. And you don't feel confident with how you're doing it. And so to all those other doctors who said, well, maybe this is the right place for me. I, there's no right place other than your place. And I'm finding that out more now than ever. And I couldn't tell you, I'm more confident in myself than I ever have been before. Even though I really haven't started seeing patients like I want to, I'm independent. And a lot of doctors can't say that anymore. I wonder if a lot of people are afraid to take the leap you did because they're already sitting on six figure school debt and they're worried about having to incur more to start their own practice for DPC. Is that you think a reason that is inhibiting a lot more people like you? Uh, I, absolutely. I think that's the main reason that inhibited me for so long is the fear. What if? And, um, you know, the what if goes away, the more you see patients that come back to you and the more that you feel, uh, you know, you're the reason why they, they're coming. Um, that, that makes you feel more confident that they're going to follow you and that you can sustain yourself on a model such as this, but be independent at the same time. Um, and I, I really can't tell you how much that's valuable to your physician wellness, for your well-being, for your state of mind, and, and your love for medicine, which is what we all did this for, to practice medicine the way you want to, to talk to patients, to get to know them, to communicate better, to have relationships and friendships with them. That's what medicine should be. Well, the beauty of, of your timing, Ananda, is that you have now played into two giant macro trends. The first one is we have 16,000 physicians that were independent that are now no longer in business. And I'm assuming most of them were fee-for-service because value-based care did just fine, thank you very much, with regular monthly payments or annual payments, no matter what. So they didn't fall off the radar when uh, volume dropped, which is what happened to fee-for-service. The same thing with DPC. DPC has weathered this storm beautifully because it's a monthly engagement and monthly fee. It's like a gym membership. So the beautiful, beautiful thing from a financial perspective of being a doctor is, yes, you're losing some unemployed and yes, you're losing people who can't afford it. But for the most part, 79 bucks, 89 bucks is not going to be a big stretch for somebody, even if they do lose their job um, for a very long time, they can continue making that essential payment. So there's roughly 40 million people that don't have a doctor anymore that just in the last three months occurred. And I'm assuming, what part of Georgia are you in, in uh, near Atlanta? Are you in Dallas, Georgia? Are you somewhere nearby or? Nope. I'm, I'm in Marietta, Georgia. It's about 25 minutes outside of downtown Atlanta. It's East Marietta, East Cobb to be exact. And it's a uh, very well-known area, um, growing expansively and um, um, you know, just a great part of town. 
So I'm going to make a, a, a bet that some doctor that has a bunch of undoctored patients is somewhere nearby that has closed, and they're going to be happy to hear this if they tune into this podcast and know that you exist. So the big macro trends, again, is you're in the right space at the right time, and it just so happens there's a ton of people looking for doctors right now that don't have a doctor. So just congratulations on that. Thanks. And, and, and to add to that, you know, as I'm building out uh, my space, I'm getting quotes. And I was just talking to a guy who owns his cabinet company. And, you know, while he's making measurements and everything, we got to talking. And I told him about this concept, what direct primary care is. You know, I asked, did he have insurance? He said, no. Said, you know, he has about 10 employees underneath him. And I, I gave him the concept behind this and how much it costs monthly and what we cover here and what I'm able to do for him including in-house medication dispensing, uh, labs at wholesale price, um, unlimited visits, um, half an hour to an hour with no scheduled wait times. And he couldn't believe it. He said, and how much does it cost? And I told him at $89 a month. And he told me he was paying over $1,000 uh, for his uh, monthly premium for his commercial insurance. And it wasn't really all that good. And so when you match something like a direct primary care membership with a Christian uh, share program or um, a Zion or a Safara, for instance, uh, you can get full-scale healthcare coverage for around $300 or less sometimes, depending on what your deductible is. And that keeps you covered compared to $1,000 or over $1,000 a month. And the word's just not out there. So what Anand's talking about is Sidera and Zion and others like Liberty, are sharing arrangements that take care of the higher risk stuff like the cancer, the car accident, the cardio incident. All of those are too scary to go with a DPC and expect that to get covered. So these are uh, sharing arrangements, not insurance companies that are um, community sharing these costs when they're sudden and uh, catastrophic. Correct. And affordable, obviously. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, the one, we had Sidera on the show and we're talking under $200 a month for uh, a person and a little bit more for a family. So it's, it's not ridiculous, but um, a lot better than a thousand a month for sure. And it's not just a thousand a month, it's the deductible. You've got a thousand, five hundred, two thousand, five thousand dollar deductible. So it's, it's not costing you a thousand a month, it's costing you a thousand plus the deductible, plus the co-pays. Right. It's just the unknown that's in the healthcare industry right now. And patients are so used to riding that yellow brick road. They got off that yellow brick road when they started going to Walmart Health and seeing that there was other options outside of emergency rooms and urgent care visits that needed to be done. Um, now we're going a little bit on our own road with direct primary care and giving them personalized uh, quality care with one physician all the time that they know they're going to see whenever they want to. And wow, I mean, that, that just fits the perfect mold for, for what a physician and a patient want moving forward. So DPC is growing by about 100 to 200 physicians a year. I think this will be the decade when it really takes off because the deductibles are now so ridiculous that people are functionally uninsured and to the tune of maybe 40 to 60% of all employed people. They've got a job, they've got good insurance, but they simply can't afford to go use it and see people like you. It's not, um, the, the deductible is a gigantic inhibitor. Yeah, the deductible is a huge inhibitor. The employment is a huge inhibitor. And, you know, obviously increasing premiums for these commercial plans are, are, are obviously becoming um, unavoidable. When we get the word out and, and DPC docs and physicians are making their changes, 
we're going to serve more communities when they know what we are about and what we're trying to do here. And I think they're going to be happy with their healthcare. I've now talked to two CEOs that are large employers that are part of this model. They laugh when I say, would you ever go back to the old way? And they just go, are you freaking kidding me? Like no possible way. The, um, the story is the same, whether you're a patient, I've been a patient now of DPC for about three years um, using redirect health. And so any doctor is basically a DPC doctor that takes cash. Everybody takes cash. So they arrange that on this uh, and make sure that my doctor gets paid exactly like a DPC doctor as needed. The beautiful thing is my turnover went down to zero. My absenteeism went down in half. And um, now when I recruit candidates now for free healthcare, which is what you are to this cabinet maker, if he decides to engage you, he's, he's free healthcare. The employees don't have a copay. They don't have a deductible. They don't have a premium. He's paying everything. So when I offer free healthcare, I used to get 60 candidates to find one or two. And now I get five candidates and I find four. So it's just a much better pool of people that want free healthcare. And that's what you're offering at uh, Stand Up Family Clinic. Yeah. And when they understand the concept, even though they didn't get into the, uh, the bones of it, just hearing the concept was amazing. I mean, his eyes popped up in disbelief. He said, are you really doing this? I said, yeah, you better believe it. You're making cabinets for it, buddy. What do you think? And so I, uh, I, I'm telling you, the more people I tell about this, existing patients who are already trying to follow me, they're telling their friends about it. The word of mouth is going around. Um, DPC is coming, people, and it's coming, and it's, uh, it's going to be exciting, and it's making physicians all across this country uh, uh, more engaged in primary care than they've ever been before because they're starting to see that there is a benefit to primary care that they never had before, and that's being independent, being self-sufficient, and practicing medicine the way you want to, and that's a win-win situation. The way I discovered DPC was almost by the back door. I, I heard a gentleman named Paul Thomas, who's a doctor on a TED talk, and he's just this elegant, young, lanky dude. And he was opening up his practice. And then he's now since opened a second practice. And he was on my show and I said, who's like the Mount Rushmore DPC in your universe? And so I had those next three or four guys on my show. And then I've now since I've had probably six or seven DPC and you're my seventh or eighth do doctor. And you know what they all say? They all have the same message. They're the happiest conferences and conventions they've ever gone to in medicine is DPC conventions. Yeah. Yeah. The first one I went to was before I went into DPC, but to learn more about it and never saw so many doctors uh, laughing, um, cracking jokes, engage, shooting ideas off each other. Um, very open, um, easy to talk to. It, it, it's, it's the exact opposite of being in a hospital board meeting where you're in with the suits and the execs and everybody's by themselves. And you're wondering to yourself, you know, we talk about almost the same thing with metrics and age caps, et cetera, and we never get anywhere. But I feel like I've gotten more in this conference in two days than I ever have learning about a new concept or getting things uh, answered than ever before. And that just goes to speak for why people are so about this movement. It's really cool that uh, there's now nurse-run DPCs. A friend of mine, Tucker Max, a former guest, his wife has her own practice in Austin, and it's growing with a lot of CrossFit members. Um, there's people that are in all kinds of specialties that are doing DPC. It's not a fit for everybody, like a transactional thing, like a podiatrist. You need them once at you know blue moon. But for other doctors that you may need regularly, like endocrinologists or pulmonologists, they're setting up DPC practices. So it's uh, I, while I do see it's ideally suited for your brand, the family practice, or maybe an internal medicine doc, uh, maybe less so a pediatrician, I do, um, I do see that this is just 
there's almost no downside that I can find from six, seven interviews of guys like you, and I, I, I'm still looking for it. Yeah, and, and, and each DPC, uh, each direct primary care is individual for itself. So the reason behind stand-up family medicine is because I do stand-up comedy as a side, as something that I enjoy as a, a, a hobby. And so I felt after shooting 10 names past my wife, stand-up had something, uh, some meaning behind it. And so when I put together the logo, uh, with my brother-in-law's help, shout out Jose Hernandez, thank you. Um, he uh, really brings out who you are as a person. And that's something you just can't do when you work into a hospital or corporate setting. You can't be you. Uh, well, now you can. And the logo is just one step behind where I wanna go with this. Mm -hmm. Stand up family, oh, get it. So stand up family practice, got it. Okay. Yep. I'm, yep. Not, I'm not too sharp on the uptake, but sometimes I get it. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Like I said, we'll put you in a couple liners. It's a two drink minimum, Ron. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so you can have waitresses greet me instead of a hostess greet me when I come in. There's only one way to find out. Now, you're right, man. And I will. I will promise. I'm committing to you on the air. I will find out in person, and I'll try not to get as excited about meeting you as my grandson next time. Deal. Deal. I'm getting a photo shot opportunity when it happens. Hey, Nan, what is the best way to find you now that you're on your own? What's the, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Best place to reach me uh, is my website, standupdpc.com. Uh, it's up and active. We're planning on opening up in October. Um, uh, around October 12th is the hopeful date, but we'll see how it goes. And we're already enrolling patients as we speak. Um, all the uh, email is uh, info at standupdpc.com. Dot com and our office phone number is also on the website as well. So anything you need, we're here to help you and uh, obviously get direct primary care in Marietta, Georgia rolling. And I can't wait to uh, start being the family doc here. Hey, listen, guys, if you're listening and you're in this region of Georgia, trust me, Walmart's very picky about who they're going to let start their first pilot clinic. And when you have somebody like Dr. Maida on your side, who's already been bedded and um, curated and they, they made sure that he was a solid, solid guy. Um, you're not taking any risk by stepping into standuptpc.com. So uh, Anand, you, you, you always know that I end my show the same way and um, I'm sure you're prepared this time. You weren't last time. So uh, the banner has to be less than a 400 words that you're gonna fly over America to give a message. What is that message? Message is um, happy physicians become more available when they become self-sufficient, entrepreneurial, and um, ready to take the leap into direct primary care. And I'm all three of those, and I'm so excited to be here. And it's about time, people. I'm here. He's here. You know, we, we talk a little bit about the triple aim on the show, not too much because it's kind of a joke, but the triple aim is supposed to be you have population health, and you have low cost, and you have happy patients. And I'm going to throw in happy doctor, maybe a fourth aim uh, from a triple aim. So it's really a quadruple aim. And then I'm going to throw in a fifth, which is happy employer. So if your cabinet maker signs up with you, I think he'll, he will find himself a happy employer. We already know you're a happy doctor. Um, the patients are not leaving DPC. They're coming in droves. So happy patient, low cost. I, we can't argue $89 a month is a, a big stretch. And then we're going to also talk about outcomes next conversation we have in about a year. Yeah, and I can't wait to that. Um, and I appreciate you getting me on the air, Ron. Thank you for letting me spread my message. Thanks for asking all about 
why direct primary care is important to patients and physicians alike. And thank you for continuing to lead the cause and the belief of what we're behind here. Boy, do I believe in it. And I believe in you and I'm super excited for you. So congratulations again, and we'll talk in a year. Thanks, Ron. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.